I believe the same words still apply to us. I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. I am the Almighty God is God's introduction, reintroduction of himself to Abram. The transitional clause is walk before me, in which we are to get up and be very God-conscious in our lives, but it leads to be thou perfect. And if we're perfect by God's definition as he is perfect, we will be different from this world. Old things of our lives will pass away. Behold, all things will become new. And we want to reflect the glory of God after knowing Him. I will be brief. And if I wasn't in the first assembly by your estimation, I will in the second because we will go home and we will walk with God and we will walk before Him and we will be perfect, Lord helping us. Did you see the divine help that we implore in the song we just sang? You need to be asking God for strength because your flesh is too weak The world is too seductive and the devil too strong. But if we resist him, he'll flee. We should hate the world because God hates it and they hate God as well. And we should put our new man on over our old man and we can walk with God. We have advantages that Abram didn't have. We have the presence of the Holy Spirit of God given to us as a permanent indwelling of God himself in our hearts. We have the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that reveals things of freedom and liberty that Abram did not know, except by future prophecy. And we have the Lord Jesus Christ, our personal representative and high priest in heaven. Let's just move quickly into reflecting God. I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. We want to know God in a personal relationship by being God conscious and making Him and knowing Him our priority. Life tries to choke out fruitfulness. So we have to make that our priority. If it's a priority in time, then make it the first thing in the day that you do is to have private time seeking God. Just don't whip through a chapter. I don't care if you read one verse. Genesis 17.1. And only half of that has done wonderful things for me for two weeks. And I knew the verse before, but I didn't really know it. And I exhort, I don't care how much, just meditate, muse on it, and seek Him. We do not want to just puff up our heads with knowledge. We do not just want to check off a Bible reading chart. We want to find God. And those who seek Him will find Him. As I close with First Chronicles 28 and verse 9 in the First Assembly, do not be distracted by any details. Just think, the second duty God wants from me is to reflect Him. I want to go through life and be godlike in my thinking, my speaking, and my acting. I want to be Christ-like because I'll tell you about Jesus Christ. He was God in the flesh. Looking at Jesus Christ and learning his character is God in the flesh. And we can do that. We are to follow him as the Apostle Paul followed. Look at Matthew chapter 5 with me. Matthew chapter 5. I have preached this before at length. That isn't the point right now. There's a a little point that I want to bring out of these verses. Matthew chapter 5, I'm going to start reading at verse 43, and I'll read through the end of the chapter. 
We want to reflect God. You cannot reflect what you do not know. So this morning is more important. We want to know Him first. And if you know God and are walking with Him, I'll tell you something, you will reflect Him. But I just want to exhort you further to magnifying Him by your life. Because you adorn His doctrine. You bring praise to His name. Or you shame His gospel and you cause men to blaspheme that glorious name by which we are called. David did both in his life. Nathan told David, because of what you have done, you give the enemies of God an occasion to blaspheme. On the other hand, David was the sweet psalmist of Israel, and how many people has he stirred up to praise God? He did both. We want to only do half of his life. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, our Lord Jesus Christ teaching and preaching with power and authority that the scribes and Pharisees never had. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Now you know where I was going, don't you? I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Because God is perfect, He has called us to be perfect. And perfection in this context is loving our enemies and those who offend us and those who hurt us, those who despitefully use us. We pray for them, we bless them, we serve them, we take care of them, because that is the character of God. And by doing it, we are the children of God. Verse 45, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. I wish the Arminians would be fair with the Word of God once in a while. You don't become a child of God by believing on Him. You become a child of God by loving your enemies. That's what Matthew 5.45 says. But we know that you don't become a child of God by believing on Him, nor do you become a child of God by loving your enemies. We know that you lay claim to being a child of God, and you show yourself to be a child of God by believing on Him and by loving your enemies. Because then you show the character of God's character, because God's character is in the context that He sends His sunshine and His rain on the evil and the good. Therefore, you should love your enemies as well as your friends. Because if you just love your friends, you're no better than a publican that had no character at all, who sold himself to be a tax collector for the Roman Empire that was an occupying force in Israel. But that isn't our point, all those things. What we want is, we want to know God and we want to reflect God. Do you want to reflect God? Then no one can offend you. Let's just get down there where it's at.
You are not going to be offended by what your spouse does, children do. If they disobey, you're going to discipline them. But you know what? Once in a while, you're going to show pure mercy. Do you know why? Because once in a while, he does it to you, hasn't he? More than once in a while? We want to reflect God. First of all, we want to know him. And we are not going to lose that point. Lord, help us. And forgive me if I am leading them astray. But it says, be thou perfect. And you know what it means to be perfect? It's to act like our Father in heaven. And that means we don't get offended. We pray for our enemies. We bless those people that despitefully use us and persecute us. We overcome evil with good. We are not overcome of evil. Romans chapter 12. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And Brother Gerald, you encouraged me this morning in your prayer. Giving a brief summary of 2 Corinthians 3. Isn't it wonderful? If the ministry of condemnation was glorious, and it was, that whole mountain was on fire like a burning furnace. They couldn't get near the place. Moses exceedingly feared and quaked. If the, if the ministration of condemnation was glorious, how much more is the gospel glorious? of liberty and freedom and salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is so much in this epistle, but we want two things. I've preached it before, and I'll tell you when I do, and I usually know, and the way you can tell is, at the end of a sermon outline that you see posted on the Internet, go down to the bottom where it says, for further study, and I will admit where I've preached it before. Because I have no shame in repeating myself, Because Peter said, as long as I am alive, I will give myself to repeating the things that you're already established in. Because learning is by repetition, and there is one simple fault that we all have. We're very forgetful. So we need repetition. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, the first lesson we want is in the third verse. Paul mentions in verses 1 and 2, Do we, the apostles of Jesus Christ, need any help introducing ourselves to you or to anyone else? Do we need letters from you, or do we need letters from other churches to bring to you that say over someone's signature, yes, the Apostle Paul is an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ? No, Paul said we don't need letters like that because of verse 3. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3. Written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshy tables of the heart. You Corinthians are the evidence that I and my fellow apostles are the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't need letters of commendation because the change in your life shows that we are the apostles of Jesus Christ. It shows that we are ministers. God did the first work. He wrote by the Spirit of God in your fleshy hearts. We did the second work by bringing those fresh, fleshy hearts into practicing Christianity. Do you know what I want out of verse 3? Are you a living epistle of the Apostle Paul, of the Lord Jesus Christ, and of the New Testament? Are you a living epistle? Are you a walking 67th book of the Bible? Jennifer Walzak. Wachovia. Now Wells Fargo. The 67th book of the Bible. Are you a living epistle? I name a name because I want you all to be thinking about yourselves. 
Are you a living epistle? Do you, so, do you show an author and a minister? The author is the Spirit of God in your heart. The minister is the Word of God and what you've been taught from it coming forth into fruition and activity. You are manifestly declared to be our epistle. The Apostle Paul did not need letters written with ink because there had already been a letter written by the Spirit of the living God in the hearts of the Corinthians and he had brought it forth into fruit. We want to know God and we want to be epistles of God in this world. The Bible is so metaphorical. The Bible uses so many metaphors and word pictures. Does the Bible say that we should be lights of the world? Does it say we should be the salt of the earth? Does it say we should be living epistles? The Lord, what a book! With all these word pictures. Are you a living epistle? Now there's 66 dead ones in front of you. I said that very carefully. When the Bible says, for the word of God is quick, alive, and powerful, what's it talking about? The Lord Jesus Christ. These are, these are black English words on a white, well, it's, it's yellowed page. But you are a living epistle. Let's be that living epistle. Brother Gerald, I can't, you know I want to get to that 17th and 18th verses. That's the, that's the crowning stone of the chapter, 2 Corinthians 3. Listen to these words. I'm skipping the meat of 2 Corinthians chapter 3 in the comparison that Paul makes about the Old Testament versus the New, and he does it in a variety of ways. If, if the Old had this, how much more does the New have? And he goes back and forth, but he gets to this capstone. Now the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ is that Spirit. Now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We do not have a religion like Moses. Moses' religion was very restricted. Moses, you tell them that if even their puppy dog gets loose and comes up near, that rope that you have around the base of Mount Sinai, thrust it through with darts. Don't you let anyone or anything near the revelation of the Old Covenant. That was restrictive. Moses came down from Mount Sinai with his face glowing like an angel. They couldn't even look at him. I don't mean he had a sunburn. I mean he was glowing like a bright light of an airplane landing kit. He had to put a veil over his face. Israel couldn't get near him. It was a restricted religion. There's no veil in our religion. And there's no rope in our religion. Do you want to run up to the Mount, of Ta- Mount Sinai? Do you like mountain climbing Chris Carnell? Well, there's a mountain for you to climb. Why don't you run up Mount Zion? We can go straight into the presence of God. Right. Look at this verse. Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We have been freed up to go to our Father. We have been freed up to go to God. Can you imagine being a little boy of about 42, 44 years of age, and hearing somebody read Genesis 17, 1 to you, when you know that you couldn't even get near the teller line rope that was at the bottom of Mount Sinai. Wouldn't that be discouraging? But there's no discouragement in the New Testament. Now where the Lord is, now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We are free from any such restrictive religion. We can go straight to God. 
But we all, not like the Jews that had to look at Moses with a veil over his face and who never really understood what was going on because everything revealed to them was in obscure types and shadows, we are not like that. We all, we all Christians, we Christians all, we Corinthians and Greenvillians, we Christians, we born-again believing saints of the Lord Jesus Christ, we all, with open face, there is no veil, beholding as in a glass, as if we're looking in a mirror. A mirror provides you very, very precise details so that you are able to take a pair of scissors and snip a nose hair. Oh, disgusting talking about it. But the point is, it gives you a lot of detail. We, all, all of us in this room, along with the Corinthians and Paul, a whole new religion, far better than the Old Testament, Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Moses said, show me thy glory. We have his glory. It's the New Testament. The Lord Jesus Christ, full of grace and truth. No man has seen God at any time, but the only begotten Son, he hath declared him. John 1.18. Do you believe that? The glory of God is revealed through Jesus Christ. Everything he said, everything he did. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord. This verse is building, brethren. It's only getting started. Are changed into the same image. No way. Are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ is able and provides the power and the strength in our lives to change us more and more under the image of God and His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. There is nothing restraining us from being in His presence. There is nothing restraining us from being like Him. Second Peter 1 would put it this way, We have obtained those things that are to make us partakers of the divine nature. Come on now. We're not Mormons in this church. I don't care if it sounds like Mormonism or not for just two sentences. It says in 2 Peter chapter 1 that we have been given unto us all things and made partakers of the divine nature. All things that pertain unto life and to godliness, they have been given to us. And it's by the Spirit of God. It's by the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are not in that condemning, restrictive religion of the Old Testament. You can be like God. You can be like the Lord Jesus Christ. No, you will not be omnipotent. But can you be good to your enemies? Yes, you can. Can you be forgiving to your enemies? Yes, you can. Can you die like the Lord Jesus Christ? I read of a man that did. Does this sound familiar? Lord Jesus, lay not this sin to their charge and receive my spirit. Would you tell me the final two statements of the Lord Jesus Christ? Father... Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Into thy hands I commend my spirit. Is a man able to copy the Lord Jesus Christ? Would that be hard for you to ask for God's forgiveness on men that are stoning you to death, and then by faith to commit your spirit into God's hand, while the whole assembly is the most religious group of men you have ever known all your life? You're going to commit yourself to God while they say you're a child of the devil? Do you know how you do it? By the Spirit of the Lord. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Do you know that men have taken this verse 
and then said a pledge to the American flag? Why don't we read this verse then and swear our allegiance to the devil? There is no difference. This doesn't have a thing to do with the American flag or anything like that. The liberty here is nothing that Mel Gibson, Braveheart, or anyone else, Patrick Henry, has ever thought of. The liberty here is to go into the presence of God and embrace Him and be accepted by Him. This is spiritual religion right here. And this verse is glorious. God has given you the power by the Spirit of the living God to be changed into the image of God and the image of the Lord Jesus Christ from glory to glory. Now the ultimate change in glory is going to be when? It's a word that sounds like glory. It's a different verb form of glory. Glorification. You're going to be glorified and you'll be ultimately glorified. And you'll have ultimate glory. Isn't that wonderful? But before we get glorified, let's glorify our lives. Let's see His glory. Let's delight in His glory. Let's praise His glory. Let's speak of His glory. And let's live His glorious life. Let's be like Stephen and copy Jesus. Let's be like Paul and copy Jesus. Let's be like Jesus and copy God. The Lord Jesus declared all of God's perfections by the way that He lived. We must, we must go on. I've preached through this passage before, looking at just those two lessons. I've preached this passage before, phrase by phrase and verse by verse. Do you love the name that you have chosen? God said to Moses, I know thy name. God said to Moses, you're the first one to know my name. Do you know how blessed you are? Do you know the name that was revealed to Moses? Because we have Exodus 6.3, where Moses put it in writing for us. What was the name that God revealed himself to Moses? I am that I am, the Lord Jehovah. Do we know that? You mean we're blessed with Moses? Do you mean this man that I've preached about all day long, we have something over him? Do we have something over Moses? There is a name given which is above every name. And it's the name of Jesus And with all due respect and honor to the God of heaven, it is one step better because it reveals a different part of the character of God. Not just his eternal independence of all other creatures, but that he is a savior by pure, unmitigated, unmodified mercy and grace. Jehovah is a savior is what the word Jesus means. Joshua was not Named Joshua by his parents. Joshua was named Hoshea by his parents. Moses changed his name. Jehoshia. Jehoshua. It's only spelled 11 different ways in the Old Testament. Don't get confused. God put it there for Bible skeptics and I love him for it. Jehoshua. Jehovah is salvation. His parents named him Salvation, probably hoping that someday there would be a Moses to get them out of Egypt according to God's promise to Abraham that they would be there, persecuted by the Canaanites and by the Egyptians for 400 years. But Moses renamed him. And all of that was to say this. Do you know that superior name? That name, the devils tremble. Jesus, we know. And Paul, we know. Who in the world are you gypsies? Do you know what Jesus said? If you ask anything of the Father in my name, 
what? He will give it. Do you want God to draw nigh to you? And do you want God to open heaven to you? And do you want God to reveal his secret to you? Then go to him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Honor the name by your life. Listen to these words. Eric, I know that you've emphasized them in the last couple of years in your life a couple of times because I've heard it. I want to point out names. I want you all to think of yourselves as a body and to treat each other accordingly. Listen to this verse. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. We are not, we are not going to sleep on that verse today. We are thankful for that verse and we are abundantly thankful for that verse, but we want to know God ourselves. So we're not going to rest there, but that's only the first half of the verse. The second half of the verse is, and there's something for us to do. Don't just quote the first half of the verse. There's something for us to do. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. That's being perfect. We want to reflect the name that we... If we've named the name of Christ, let's live like the Lord Jesus Christ. If we've named the name of the God of heaven, the Lord Jehovah, I am that I am, He is our God, and He is the love and delight of our souls, and He is our portion forever, then let's live like Him. Let's love our enemies. Let's never be offended. Let's be full of charity, loving kindness and goodness. Let's be full of praise and thanksgiving. Let's be abundant in mercy and be lovers of mercy and do judgment and justice in all our ways. Because He does. Every business transaction, every fearful event, Lord, if it be possible, remove this cup or remove this loan from me. If it be possible, remove this cancer from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. That is knowing God and reflecting God. Because that's what Jesus did under dire circumstances in the Garden of Gethsemane. We're adopted. Should we close our Bibles up and go home? Or should we live like the sons of God. Amen. Does it tell us that we should live like the sons of God? Does the Bible tell us that he that hath this hope in him purifieth himself? Does, un, does really understanding adoption, should it change your life? Should it get more than a song of praise out of you? Amen. He purifies himself. First John, are you, I'm not turning you there. You should know it by now. First John 3, 3. He that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Ephesians 5, 1 puts it this way. And walk as dear, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Who made you a dear child? There's bastards. There's children in the world. There's dear children. There's beloved children. What does the Bible call us in Ephesians 5.1? Dear children. How are we dear? Because the love God has bestowed upon us through Jesus Christ. Be ye therefore followers of God. As dear children, we're the loved ones of God. How do you want to follow Him? We want to be His delight. We want to be His His pride and joy. We want to be everything we can be to bring praise to Him. We want to reflect and magnify Him and all that He has done for us. When we sin, we bring reproach upon His name. 
And the Scriptures speak of that often. Look at Matthew 5.16. We were already in Matthew 5 because it was teaching us the working out of something that, he, that the Lord Jesus had summarized before he be, as in the opening, the introduction of his sermon, before he got to the meat of the lessons. In verse 16, these, this is a verse that you know well. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That is the reflecting part of what we want to do. We want to know God and we want to reflect God. And the Lord Jesus Christ used this sermon of three chapters length to describe the character of God that had been twisted and distorted by the theology of the Pharisees. And so when he comes to verse 21, he says, Ye have heard by them of old time, thou shalt not kill. But I want to explain how God understood and meant and intended those words from the Old Testament in distinction and contrast to how the Pharisees preached them. And he proceeds like that all the way through chapters 5, 6, and 7, showing his children, God's children, how to live differently than the Pharisees taught their followers to live. And so we came to the last six verses of chapter 5, where it says, love your enemies. Do you know what the Pharisees taught? Love your neighbors and hate your enemies. That sounds good. My flesh would shout amen to that. But my spirit knows better because my spirit has Jesus correcting that. My point being, let your light so shine before men. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. A little child ditty that we used to sing in certain Sunday schools and churches. However, let's give credit where credit is due. If they only understood it, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Satan's going to puff and try to blow it out, but I'm going to let it shine. I won't take you into the other verses. I can't recall them at the moment anyway. But here it is in the Word of God, Matthew 5, 16. Do you know what? We should take our light out in this world and let it shine. We don't force our gospel down anyone's throat, but do you know what you're supposed to be? Not a preaching epistle, not a writing epistle, not an email epistle. A what? A living epistle. A living epistle. Show them that they may see your great emails, that they may see the tracks you leave instead of tips at a restaurant, that they may see your what in Matthew chapter 5, that they may see your good works, not your good words, your good works, which include good words, but not preaching words. To know Him is to glorify Him, and we want to glorify Him. This was Paul's desire. Look at Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Oh, the Apostle Paul was committed. He said, I've been apprehended, and I haven't yet apprehended that which I was apprehended for. I, I was arrested, but I haven't yet got my hands on what I was arrested for. I was apprehended by the Lord Jesus Christ and set on a path to please Him and to win the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I hope you're familiar with Philippians chapter 3. He says, I haven't attained yet. We would look at Paul's life and say, brother, you've attained. Retire. But he didn't think so. He wanted to give more of himself. And here's how he described it. I can clo- I closed the first service with this verse, but I want to read him to you again. He's in prison. 
Verse 13 tells us that. Not a commentary, verse 13. The Bible is a decent commentary on itself. Verse 13 tells us he's in prison. But uh, the whole palace where Caesar lived knew about Paul. Those of Caesar's household, in fact, were converted by him. And while he was in prison, there were men that had personal access to grind with him, personal offenses with him, that began preaching more boldly because he was in bonds, thinking that they would add to his trouble while he was in bonds. But you know what? He didn't care. Listen, listen to what he said. What then? Verse 18, what then? Notwithstanding, every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. I know that while I'm being persecuted by these men who don't like me, and because I'm in prison, they're being bolder in their preaching of the gospel, I know that the Spirit of God is going to take care of me and by your prayer for me, that this persecution is not going to hurt me. According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also, Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. They thought they could add to his affliction, verse 16. He knew that it would turn to his salvation, verse 19, because he was going to magnify God in the face of persecution, whether by life or by death. Look at his attitude. You want to follow Jesus Christ like Paul did? That's a pretty noble attitude right here in Philippians chapter 1. In life or in death. May the Lord bless us to do it just that way. And I want to remind you of Stephen. Did he die just the way the Lord Jesus did? I was so blessed by that. Did he die just the way? If you had to cry out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Would there be a little bit of fear mixed with your faith about saying, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit? If you had all the most conservative religious people of your nation and you knew their religion was God's, stoning you to death as a blasphemer, would you have a little bit of fear mixed with your faith? Jesus said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Total faith. Stephen, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. They both forgave their persecutors. That's being changed into his image from glory to glory. That's being a reflector. Are you a reflecting husband? Are you a reflecting wife? Are you a reflecting child to your parents? Are you a reflecting parent? Are you as loving as God the Father is to you, to your children? God saved you to conform you to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Romans 8.29 We do not want to go into Romans 8.29 and 30 simply to pull out of it God's foreknowledge and predestination of us to salvation. We want to go into Romans 8.29 and 30 and find out that God elected us and predestinated us to be conformed to the image of his Son, and we want to come out of that verse and act like conformed images of his Son. Is there further confirmation to be done? I mean, Conforming to be done in our lives? Transforming to be done in our lives? Certainly. Will He perfect and complete that which He has started in our lives? Yes. 
But that doesn't give us any leave to be lazy. We want to reflect the God that we know. Whatever you do. Even in matters of conscience. Do you know the Bible says in Romans 14, one man keeps a day unto the Lord, and another man doesn't keep a day unto the Lord. One man eats unto the Lord, and another man doesn't eat unto the Lord. Those who had problems with meat offered to idols, they ate herbs. They became vegetarians, simply because they didn't want to touch anything that had ever been offered to an idol. And so they did it to the Lord. Another man that knew, that idol ain't no Lord, that idol ain't no God, I never really believed it, even when I was bowing down to it, the stupid thing. It's just a chunk of stone. Give, pass me the steak, and I'll eat yours too, brother. You know, the point this morning was we honor each other's consciences. But the point I want to make right now is it's your conscience on how you reflect God. Because one man was convicted that I want to glorify God by not touching anything to do with that stinking idol. So he become a vegetarian. Poor man. And you know what he's called in the Bible? A weak brother. Let's be fair with the word of God. He's a weak brother. Listen, a strong brother looks at that stinking statue, makes fun of it, and says, hand me the steak, and eats it. Notice the conscience. Whatever we can do to reflect God, we want to reflect him. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. For we are his workmanship. You know, we go into Ephesians chapter 2, and we love verse 1, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. But there's verse 10 in that chapter. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. This God that said, I am the Almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect, he has ordained. That means they're written down as ordinances of things he wants us to do. And that's what we were saved for. Let's be reflectors and magnifiers of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know what Paul said in that verse I read a few minutes ago, Philippians 1.20? He said that whether in life or by death, my earnest expectation and hope, and I don't care what happens to me, is that my life would magnify the Lord Jesus Christ, whether by life or by death. To, what's a magnifying glass for? To make something smaller or bigger? Smaller or larger? It's to make something larger. And when we magnify the Lord Jesus Christ, we make Him as large as we can to present Him to others by reflecting the glory of God through Jesus Christ, through our lives, by being living epistles. We want to know God, and we want to reflect God. Micaiah Caleb needs to see God in his Father. Reflect Him. Judgment and mercy mixed together in such a way that he loves his daddy. Zach doesn't need any extra attention than you do. I just know Zach can take it. You might not be able to. Every single one of us. Does Sherry Crosby know the grace and mercy of God by knowing her husband? Or does she have a distorted, twisted idea of God through knowing her husband? God have mercy on my wretched soul and help me be a better husband. Every one of you in authority, do you know what God calls you in the Bible with a little g? God's. And you should reflect the God that you know. Let's know Him, and let's reflect Him. Do men perceive that you know God? That you walk before Him and are perfect? Remember, Peter and John on trial, Acts chapter 4. 
these dumb fishermen from Galilee, all these educated elite standing around, questioning them and threatening them, and saying, how in the world was this man healed? Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name given under heaven among men, whereby we must be saved. And they perceived that Peter and John were ignorant men, and they understood that they had been with Jesus. You don't need to be educated in this world's opinion. You just need to be with Jesus for a while. And how do you do that? You practice this morning's sermon. Get yourself into a closet. Get yourself into your living room, on your bed. Go for a drive, wherever you need to go. Take God's Word. Take your prayer. Go pray and call upon the Lord and seek His face. Tell Him that you love Him and that you want Him to reveal Himself to you and let Him flow through you and reflect His glory. Let Him show you His glory by the Spirit of the living God from 2 Corinthians 3. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Let Him show you the liberty and the glory and let Him conform you to that image so that wherever you go, your husband, your children, everyone, your colleagues, they see the Lord Jesus Christ. They see the glory of God in the graciousness, in the patience, in the kindness, in the charity, in the diligence, in the faithfulness, in the integrity, in the mercy and truth that is combined together and kissed in you. The only Bible some are ever going to read is your life before the world. Is it an accurate translation? The fullest character of God our children will know for a while is your treatment of them. Will you? Can you? Remember, for each thought, each word, and each action to reflect our God. Brethren, the Lord appeared to Abram when he was ninety and nine years old and said, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. He has come and spoken to all of us today and said, I am the Almighty God. I want you to walk before me. I'll be your God. You'll be my son. I'll go with you. I'll take care of you. I'll protect you and I'll deliver you. I am with you. Be thou perfect. Let's reflect him as well. To those around us. May Jesus Christ be praised. And may all of you be blessed by the benefit of today. To seek him as he deserves to be sought. He will be found. Amen.